Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As the deacon leaves the altar with the gospel, as we just experienced just a moment ago, and asks for a blessing to proclaim the glad tidings, the priest blesses him from the high place, saying, May God, through the prayers of the Holy Glorious Laudable Apostle and Evangelist Luke this morning, enable thee to proclaim the glad tidings with great power to the fulfillment of the gospel of his beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. This struck me just a moment ago as to where this gospel speaks to us. That we, and every time that we read the gospel, especially as we gather together as the body of Christ to hear the gospel proclaimed, that it is proclaimed with great power. And you usually hear proclamation of the gospel, that means preaching. But there is, in just the reading aloud of the gospel, there is the fulfillment of the gospel in our midst. Because, and you may not think about this, when you think of the word sacrament, you probably think, especially if you were trained in certain uh, churches, maybe even in the Orthodox Church, there's seven, right? Where is the gospel proclamation in those seven? But the fulfillment of the gospel is because when we read aloud, when we hear the gospel proclaimed, that is a sacramental encounter with Christ. That is Christ coming amongst us and asking the same questions. His presence among us, summoning from us our own reactions, the depths of our souls bubbling up, or maybe what we think is maybe bubbling up. This morning we have the rich young ruler coming and he seeks eternal life. But this encounter with Christ goes a little bit differently than what he thinks is going to happen. He first says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? A good desire. But Jesus, who, as we know from the Gospels, can plumb the hearts of man, he knows what our, where we are in our hearts. He immediately asks him a question. Why do you call me good? You can imagine the ruler is like, well, because you are. <laughs> Everyone's talking about you. That's why I'm here. I am the ruler, and I have come to salute and say hello to the good teacher and to ask what I'm supposed to ask, because I'm a good boy, and I have been from my youth up. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm doing it now. I'm going to go talk to the good teacher. But Jesus knows where the rich young ruler's heart is really is. And in his first interaction with him, he points to God the Father. He immediately takes something that is, as we can discern through this encounter, a kind of surface encounter. This ruler who has had power, who has basically been good, wants to come and be affirmed where he's at. Let's say, reaffirming the status quo, right? I'm doing all the things. I'm coming and I'm calling you the good teacher. I'm going through the motions. But Jesus discerns and says, no, there's one who is good. He's already starting that upward, or if you want to say, maybe perhaps instead of upward, 
inward dive into the rich young ruler. Because it is Christ whom we encounter who plums the depths, who goes fishing if we're ready for it, right? He plunges into the deeps. Jesus says to him, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness on your father and mother. And what does the rich young ruler say? I've done all these things from my youth. I've striven very hard. I can imagine that the rich young ruler might be some uh, kind of a perfectionist here. I've done everything that my parents have told me. I've done what the society has told me. And I have done it and perfected it, or at least I've done all that the law asks of me. But Jesus, confirming what he understood and already saw in him, says to him, you still lack one thing. And this one thing is not, you know, one more commandment. But it's that you've actually missed the point. The hardness of our hearts, the way in which we delude ourselves, the way in which we even in things that we do, or maybe avoid, right? Do not commit adultery. Okay. <coughs> do not murder. That one, hopefully for most of us, that's pretty simple to accomplish, right? <laughs> do not steal. A little bit harder. Do not bear false witness. A little bit harder. Honor your father and mother. A little bit harder. But when Jesus turns to him and says, you still lack one thing, it is because the rich young ruler has made a kind of surface holiness. He's concerned about the looks. He's concerned about who is looking. He's kept the letter of the law, but he's missed the kingdom. Because real holiness comes from the depths of our soul, from our deepest desire, what we love. And this is why when Jesus challenges him by saying, sell all that you have and distribute it. Give it to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and then follow me. But what is his response? Does he repent? No. What is his response? He goes away sorrowful, right? You lack one thing. And this pierces through the rich young ruler's sense of righteousness, of holiness, because Christ, when he plumbs the depths, he brings it to the truth of the kingdom. He points to the cross. The cross that stands in the middle of our baptism. The cross that is our identity as his followers. And he says, this is eternal life. This is obedience to God. This is what you really want. 
but you don't even really know it because you have looked at outward forms. You have uh, been concerned about what you think others think. And so he is struck to his core, but it's not the depths of himself, but it's still, again, that kind of surface. It's just the sorrow. We do not hear from the gospel that he is convicted and then he acts. He has his pride stung. He has been seen and he's ashamed and now he's sorrowful. The gospel does not tell us that anything comes of this. Is this not us? The hardness of our hearts, the sorrow that we may feel when we get pierced, maybe on a Sunday morning, maybe on a Tuesday evening, but then it's a fleeting thought. It's a feeling. It's something that comes and goes. It brings up sorrow, but it does not bring forth the fruits of repentance. It is not, as one author says, a long obedience in the same direction. It is not the depth of embracing the cross in the kingdom, willing to give up in order to actually receive. We have this as an example of St. Paul of Thebes and John the hut dweller. And throughout January, we especially have the desert fathers who knew sorrow, who knew the kind of surface holiness. And that's exactly why they fled to the desert. It's exactly why they did, let's just be honest, some crazy things. Because they knew who God was and they knew what God was challenging them to bring out from them their actual heart. What often stops us from going from sorrow to actual repentance or from just the kind of surface to the depths where Christ is calling us? Well, there is a part of us that has a kind of defensiveness about this. Because on one level, we want this, right? Who here? You're here. (laughs) You want this and you know this. But then when you actually start getting down into the nest of all the briars, the things that actually live here, it gets really hard. And it is a part of us that wants to squirrel away or kind of hide or defend the depths of our heart. Fear. Sell everything? Who is going to see me? Who will I become? The reality that the rich young ruler lives in is the desire for his own comfort will actually become and is his own hell. We just get used to it. We want the status quo. We're used to the status quo. So then, of course, what is the reaction? And this might even be your reaction now. (laughs) Who can be saved? This is what the people say. Jesus, you're intense. (laughs) But what does Jesus say? He says, things which are impossible with men on your own. It's impossible. But with God, it is possible. The encounters that we have in the gospel reading in the preaching, in the preparation and reception of Holy Communion, 
in all of this, God is always calling us to go a little bit deeper or go a little bit higher to put before him our hearts, not kind of our false selves or the things that we think that the world wants to see from us, that we think God wants to see from us, but that we put our hearts there. It is hard work, but it is eternal life. It is the source of life. And it is God who is going to guide us through this. It's God who's going to challenge us. But he's not going to challenge us from a distance and say, good luck, you're on your own. He is there to comfort, to console. Because at the heart of God is infinite love. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your healthiness. He wants your flourishing, your thriving. Because what is salvation? In the ancient word, world, soter, means not just kind of the get out of jail free card, right? My sins are forgiven and now I'm good. But it is a deep sense of healing, of being conformed to the image of God, the original beauty to live in paradise. So may God, who plumbs the depths, who knocks at our hard hearts, who may elicit from us some sorrow, may pierce us, may he get through some of our defenses or some of our excuses or the things that we think that he wants and may he pierce us in our heart so that we can give to him our hearts, our life, our all. Because with us, with you and me, it's impossible. But with him, it is possible. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit.